0: As long as we have human customers, we're going to need to have human advisors at some level. It doesn't matter what the industry is. I think if we do the right thing for our vulnerable customers, we're doing the right thing for all of our customers. It's about humans having human experiences and connecting with our human customers.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Iris Pod and our special CX 2024 podcast series. Delighted today to be joined by Helen Beaumont manahan Correct. Excellent, got that bit right. You did. We've had a bit of a kerfuffle here with getting the microphone set up, but it's all good. These are basically expensive props, Helen. (laughs) Okay, thank you. They look good, um, alongside the plant behind you. Helen, you're Head of Training and Development at BPA Quality. Correct. Let's start by just talking a little bit about what that is. What does BPA Quality do?
0: What don't we do in the world of CX? <laughs> um, no, so we are, we've are. we been in the business for over 30 years and the business is the, the customer contact centre world. Um, we are an outsourced provider of uh, multilingual quality assurance um, and training, consultancy, all kinds of different um ways to improve the customer journey and also focus on employee experience as well.
1: And this is about um, not just the customer, the agent as well, we're dealing with quality, whatever that might look like in terms of pitching the right service, product, dealing with a variety of complaints or issues Mm -hmm. and ultimately providing great customer service so that we build advocacy. and all of those great things that we talk about in the CX world.
0: Beautifully put, absolutely, yeah. So we recognise that the um, the advisor is at the heart of, of CX, you know, EX equals CX, if you want to put it in those simple terms, and we truly, well, we don't just believe it to be true, we know it to be true, yeah.
1: We've we've been in a difficult period of time where budgets have been mm-hmm. tightened and I think companies have probably looked at ways of, you know, being a bit leaner. Yeah. Have. Have you seen this affect, you know, a lot of companies talk a good game when it comes to the whole CX and agent experience side of things, but do you think that that's been affected in the true delivery of excellence and quality in those departments?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of competing pressures at the moment and from, well certainly from a regulatory perspective, uh, I think that there are certain things that are making people focus a little bit more on the employee experience and what it really means, which is uh, definitely a good thing. Um, This year, I think you mentioned CX Trends, I think we're going to see a lot of change Um, You know, I don't want to talk about AI all day, but that's going to drive some big changes, I think. And for us particularly, what we think is really important is to just remember the human element, uh, you know, that kind of interplay of uh, human emotions and the kind of connections that our frontline advisors really are able to forge in the context when they do choose that voice channel. Uh, And that's, I think, going to be a bit of a differentiator for brands going forward.
1: AI has you know of course it's the the buzz term of of the moment has been for a little while and will continue to be but I think you touched on something really interesting the the human aspect and maybe AI to help a human do their job better rather than I think there's been a lot of fear about AI replacing jobs it doesn't feel to me like that's coming anytime soon for this industry
0: no I'd agree with you I think there will be changes you know we've seen a lot of automation of um, quite simple processes maybe even slightly more complicated processes and you know it's no secret that that's surfacing the really you know emotionally charged contacts the really complicated cases and pushing that through to our human advisors Um, and so of course their role is not only changing but it's also um, to your point, getting slightly more tricky. And that's where I think AI will be a real boon for them in terms of you know knowledge bases and kind of prompts and things like that in real time to help them with their workflow. So yeah, like you, I've got quite an optimistic view of what AI will do in our particular industry. I did see on Monday... A report from the BBC saying that they think that AI will take like 40% of jobs worldwide. But I think it will be very um, for an industry like our own, where essentially as long as we have human customers, we're going to need to have human uh, advisors at some level. Um, I think that really and truly, it's going to be even more of a valuable role, and we're going to need to really professionalise that part of the industry a bit more. I think to really drive uh, that you know that brand differentiation that I mentioned and get the edge.
1: We, we were talking just before we started recording about this uh, this buzzword, premiumization, mm. which has taken me until today to actually figure out how to say that without stumbling <laughs> over the word. But
0: premiumization? The, yeah, yeah, you need
1: to break it down into the <laughs> syllables and then you're fine. But um, premiumization of voice probably has quite a lot to do with the training aspect, right? If it's yes. a complicated query, a distressing query that's coming through. Um, for both sides of the call, that's a very important moment Mm. where automation can't deal with it, so we're talking about a human. Yes,
0: yeah, I think that's a really valuable point you bring forward there, Tom, and I mean, a great deal of the work we've been doing, certainly over the last two years, has been around vulnerability, so both the effective identification, but then the effective support and appropriate logging of of that customer's um, particular needs, and that, well, yeah, at the moment, That that really is still the domain of of skilled, empathetic human advisors. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: How do you go about training an agent, an advisor? Because particularly in those situations of vulnerability, Mm -hmm. there there could be anything brought up. Mm -hmm. How how do you begin to train an agent in how to handle and reassure or provide maybe in some cases firm words?
0: Yeah great question so it's principles based I would say so it's around you know, I touched on emotional intelligence but it's absolutely about those core skills of of empathy and that starts with seeking to understand we don't even need to necessarily agree to empathize with a customer we just have to accept that they, their feelings are valid and they have a right to those feelings we need to stay curious maybe out of our own judgments uh, and those are absolutely skills that can be taught so people talk about soft skills with our agents and advisors i'd absolutely contest that and say that well i've had them i think it was seth godin called them real skills um, but i yeah definitely life skills you know Um, and i think as we see this change the change in the tide and everything that we've explored already in this conversation uh, those are going to become even more prominent and important in terms of um how we upskill our people Uh, as ai makes it slightly easier that that route to competency potentially for our advisors and there's more support there for them when they're handling those interactions it will be these human kind of connections that we're able to forge that are going to be super important i think going forward yeah
1: what you talk about is a a skilled role and i think Hmm. a lot of the time we talk about the churn in the contact centre industry yeah. but what we're talking about here is a career
0: yes absolutely and
1: absolutely. something where people can get a lot of value from yeah. what they're doing yeah. in their work how do you see it because it, it definitely I think people looking in might think of contact centre work as mm. being fairly transient mm. but that, mm. in fact what you're talking about is a highly skilled highly rewarding role
0: yeah i, I absolutely i'm just violently agreeing with you yeah. <laughs> yeah completely and we we talk a lot about the professionalization of the industry alongside that premiumization of the industry and i think we will see that more and more as we really it's almost like a back to basics isn't it about remembering the importance of the human element and seeing that augmented with the tech solutions rather than kind of an either or yeah mm.
1: um When we think about the the career side of it and we think about training, Mm -hmm. do you think companies have come round to the idea that they need to do proper training? Because I think it almost seems like an investment in something where, well, 40% of these people are going to leave anyway, Mm. therefore why would I invest? And you can almost feel that through a brand or a contact experience that you have when it's like this person doesn't care.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, Agent Chen. Um, I, I do. And one of the great things about the kind of training that we deliver is that uh, our, our participants tell us how much they enjoy it and it's not just about happy sheets at the end of the, the programme um, but these are real transferable hard skills and I think sometimes it helps them not just be happier in role but it also helps them to see that potentially this is a, a field where they can develop an expertise and thrive and, and see a future like you say so there are lots of different strands green shoots maybe at the moment we're not there yet but I do believe there's there's hope and I carry that hope in a lot of the work that I do yeah
1: Shifting to something a bit more, um, I guess, an area that I don't think a lot of people probably appreciate in contact centres, but for certain uh, industries, certain sectors, local authorities, gaming, these sorts of uh, things, there's a high level of vulnerability in the people that are making contacts dissect that for us a little bit how does that how do how does one even begin to start to train the way to deal with such matters
0: great question and i mean recent research by the fca will tell us that basically almost 50 percent of uk adults have at least one vulnerable characteristic we don't talk about people as being you know labeled as vulnerable but having those characteristics of vulnerability are more likely to make you susceptible to certain kind of harm or detriment and need different adjustments and our agent's ability to flex in the moment when we're having that that relational connection with a with a customer um, really does come back to yeah. Those kind of core skills that we talked about. You mentioned different industries. We work in various different industries with just super super passionate and skilled advisors. Uh, you know, in in kind of areas such as bereavement, um, debt management. So some really, as you can imagine, the kind of things that customers are bringing to these very passionate individuals day in and day out can be quite um, challenging. And that's where a lot of these, you know, I won't call them soft skills, really come in, those people skills, those relational skills, um, being able to really build our frustration tolerance, our, our resilience in role, our, our, our empathy muscle, as it were, are just super duper important. and. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the industry is. I think if we do the right thing for our vulnerable customers, we're doing the right thing for all of our customers, of course. Um, and those skills, those kind of core human element skills, I think are applicable regardless of the industry. I've kind of talked myself around into a slightly different conclusion than I'd, I'd started off with there, but I hope it's, um, you know, I hope it's clear what I'm...
1: No, I see, I understand what you're saying. I think, mm. you know, if you if you aim to, to provide that empathetic, excellent, service with a you know as happier outcome as you can realistically get to with Mm -hmm. your most vulnerable most distressed customer or contact or whoever it is you're speaking to then you're going to be able to provide a good service to all um what what about the agent How, how how does an agent cope um you know there's been a big shift to home working mm-hmm. hybrid working you're wearing headphones all day you've got you know almost isolation in whatever yeah. Uh, work setting you're in so how much of this is about the resilience of the agent
0: i'm really glad you brought that up actually because yeah since well since the big c pandemic um definitely more and it's more a people. Term on yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> good um so we we do see people are essentially inviting customers and all of the challenging and vulnerable circumstances that they bring to us when we're working on a, on the voice channel or any channel in fact um into our homes essentially so it's very important that we acknowledge that and a key piece that we haven't really brought forward yet is that you know we, we've said that nearly 50 percent of the uk population is maybe vulnerable in some way or certainly susceptible in some way naturally that's going to mean our, our team members as well so mm. we always start with that acknowledgement it's two sides of the same coin and um you know our 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 people can be vulnerable to and frequently are and that's why when we work with them around vulnerability they're already experts you know we we know what to do we just don't always do what we know so a lot of the work we do is helping people to really collaborate together bring forward the wisdom in that group. You know, they know their customers, they know their world, regardless of the industry or the the channel, you know, the line of business, uh, and just bring that forward. And then maybe plug gaps where, where needed and, and potentially work on, you know, clarifying, firming up frameworks and, and even policy and procedure. But also they have to be an active part of making that policy and procedure because they understand. Um, and when we can connect in with that empathy, then they're really able to, tailor the solutions for customers in a way that um, maybe might take a consultant a little bit longer because they're not quite as close to to those customers in their world.
1: Do you you think management layers, do you think they spend enough time listening to calls and, you know, being connected to what's going on on the floor?
0: I think it varies by industry and at a cultural level, just by organisation really, how much um, time people are prepared to really roll up their sleeves. And uh, or you know get the get the ear listening ears ready and and, and be doing that. Um, it is a great way to really understand the the scale and the scope and the nature of, of vulnerabilities within your uh, organization. And, and just ask your people because they know <laughs> they will tell you if you if you have those kind of listening um, listening methods available and and you're really listening to what they're telling you. Yeah,
1: I think getting close to your customer, I think it's great way of reading, your, are you loved or not by your mm-hmm. customers because you listen yeah. to them speak. Um, we, we, we asked an interesting question of a bunch of call centre managers and we said, how big a problem is background, obviously we would ask this question because sure. we're solving background noise. Sure. How big a problem is background noise and they all kind of just went, no, well we asked your agents for you and 89% of them said yeah. it's a massive issue so yeah. you should probably pay attention to this. In, in that same study, 69% of agents said background noise affected their mental well-being. Yeah, that, yeah. Blew my, that blew my mind that that was so high. That
0: doesn't blow my mind from the work we do because naturally part of, well, empathy starts with listening. So although we would never want to kind of patronise the teams that we work with, we do explore at quite a deep level what we really mean by listening well, um, when it's really important to really dial up those levels of listening to ultimately to the the max you know and and vulnerability and um you know emotionally charged contacts are when that really needs to happen and you're absolutely right when we talk we explore personal barriers to listening and it's top of the pops really background noise and i did see one study i couldn't quote it now but it basically said that the average um kind of decibels of a contact center is like being close to a a vacuum cleaner on full blast all day and i mean i wouldn't want to work like that so yeah long answer to your point
1: but... yeah i think also it's um i think it's called acoustic shock
0: mm-hmm.
1: when the noise coming through the other end you've got these kind of essentially these speakers plastered yeah. against your ears for the course of your day yeah. and you can't control what's happening at the, right. the customer's end and right. the loud noise happens and it yeah. blasts your ears there's a lot of uh, risk factors i suppose yeah. that you probably wouldn't appreciate outside the industry
0: yeah yeah I like that I've not heard of acoustic shock before so I'm making a mental note of that but absolutely and it's interesting that has made me think um that often and this came from a a frontline team member in a a group we were talking about vulnerability and what are the signs and signals and she said a chaotic background if there's a lot uh, on the customer's side it's just obviously in isolation that's not that's not a you know, but it is an indicator that potentially in, in her experience if you can hear a lot that maybe it's that acoustic shock that you're referencing from an agent perspective it's just one very prominent first signal that okay I'm going to have to really dial up unfortunately my level of listening here even though for whatever reason it is quite difficult to listen. Yeah,
1: yeah. someone brought it up in our um, we did a we did a seminar at the at the Call and Contact Centre Expo mm. in November about premiumization. Yeah. and someone said, you know, what happens when the noise is relevant to mm. the mm. to the uh, the use case yeah. um, or the or the problem that you're trying to solve? Mm. And actually, it was one of the very first clients that we had. They were a vacuum cleaner brand,
0: yeah.
1: and sometimes they asked the customer, "Well, I want to hear it," mm. so you have to be able to turn the dial the noise in to hear it for okay. a brief moment. I can completely understand that you've got chaos going on behind you. Okay. There's something, there's information there that I need to gather. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. Sure.
1: Um, in terms of, in terms of training for, I'm not a big fan of the homeworking. I I think as a, I think it's good. No, let me say that again. Okay. I'm a fan of the flexibility that it could offer. Yes. But not as a general principle. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you find people that have shifted and remained working virtually in terms of their closeness to training because these people are almost out on islands how do we make sure that they're included in the culture and the training and development and those reads of performance or concern
0: Mm -hmm. so you asking how they respond to training
1: how do companies go about making okay. sure that they remain part of the plan because yeah. it's kind of out of sight out of mind i guess sometimes
0: yeah that's yes yeah. So, i mean I, again i think it comes down to individual cultures and um you know how uh, those organizations really manage Um, that that piece of the puzzle when it comes to people that that are working for home because for some as we know it it suits them very well and then for others you know it will but the isolation and um, just not having that kind of that well for human animals aren't we we're wired for connection support it it might not work so well for them in terms of how that plays out in training um, we we do all kinds of training so we will do virtual training for um, organizations with a purely um, remote workforce and we'll do uh, face-to-face training which as a trainer I really enjoy uh, in bricks and mortar locations. Um, what I really abhor is is hybrid so when you're in a room with a group of um, individuals and then there'll be one or two people kind of diving in to that session that, that's my own personal preference um, and I don't think the outcomes are best for everybody in those scenarios but
1: because it's disruptive because you get that kind of there's, delay factor what? there's
0: a disconnect i think and, and i think it it's felt more strongly on the part of those that are remote in those situations and and yes it, it can work and the outcomes can be touched upon and delivered and i think um from the uh that the happy sheets as we call them you know from the uh, from the kind of participants' views they're, they're very happy with the training but personally in seeing the magic that can come from either channel you know whether it be online or face-to-face delivery yeah, I, I feel the loss there
1: It's funny because it, it, I completely agree with you there's that disconnect when you have a meeting and you've got a couple of people that join online and you know then a side conversation starts happening in the room sure. that might actually be a valuable conversation but yeah how can you bring the people that are virtual into that mm-hmm. whereas if everybody's in the room that mm-hmm. can obviously mm-hmm. be more inclusive and productive and if everybody's virtual then there isn't really a side mm-hmm. conversation happening i think that's very mm-hmm. interesting
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't know i i i, I like being yeah. i think it's productive to be together
0: yeah
1: um, even in contact center where you can just I've got this situation going on here. Mm.
0: You oh, had 100%, that before 100%. And that's something I think, you know, yes, it can be mitigated with kind of Teams channels, Slack channels, whatever. Um, but, but when we bring the topic back round to vulnerability, if you think about um, when customers bring extremely distressing situations to our team members, how do they reach out to somebody for support? Uh, after that kind of distressing contact that they've had when they're sat in their own space, in their own home. I think um, we're getting to the point now where people do have protocols in place, but even the the idea of being a protocol and not just somebody sat next to your colleague who can see that you're, you know, going through something and being there immediately after is uh, something to be navigated. Yeah.
1: What solutions are out there that can help with that? Surely AI can have something to do with how we can identify some kind of emotional trends and yes, stuff
0: and and i think yeah i read a read a book recently that that made that point that it can monitor emotional load in our um our advisors absolutely i yeah i'll i am curious to see how I, that technology evolves um yeah I, d- I can't speak with any any real you know gravitas on that particular issue but i'm i'm curious i'll just say
1: well nothing you know until it can replicate like you've said, somebody to just go. I'm not sure they're okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Should yeah. we go and get a coffee? Should we go and have a chat?
0: Yeah. And that's a huge part of of what we do when we work with teams. We do talk about well, what does this mean for you? So that you know the the what the so what and the now what and the now what is what? How are you going to show up for each other as a team going forward in ways that might be a bit different and maybe more helpful to each other? Mm. Um, you know to support that kind of team cohesion and also just to empower people to want to show up more for customers emotionally um, with all the caveats around, you know, it's a very long conversation to talk about sympathy, empathy, compassion, and where's the most productive for a professional who whose role is to make empathetic connections because you never want to be left holding too much after that call. So we do talk about, you know, how can we be empathetic problem solvers without really, you know, finding ourselves really impacted and bogged down, um, as is our human way, when we're forging those connections with with people who are struggling and suffering.
1: Are there some top tips on how, how someone can do that, C- disconnect a little bit?
0: Yeah, I, I would say just, just to always come from that place of curiosity. Remember, we never need to diagnose. We're not counsellors, we're not doctors, we're not coaches. We mm. are there uh, in a professional role to be the reassuring authority, you know, on that call, as an expert. Um, and so we do dive into, well, what does that mean to be professional <laughs> in our role and how can we embody our empathetic and professional selves? So, yeah, it's not a, it's not an easy kind of, I can't just fire off an answer for you, but that is deep work that we do. It's personal work and it's beautiful work that comes out of the, the kind of team dynamics and workshops that we, uh, that we're very grateful to be able to facilitate.
1: and i guess it differs depending on the personality of the individual everyone's different right so they're going to carry the load of something emotional like that in a different way so it's part of your training to tailor to those different characteristics
0: it's very personal work yes Mm. so there are yeah there's the group and then there's, there's the individuals within that group and sometimes it's the first opportunity that these people have had to really explore that or to even really identify for themselves and and often we know about our colleagues what they might not be able to see for themselves so yeah that that's fascinating where that comes out and then we make personal pledges action pledges as well as group and team and department and function and organizational pledges as well about what will be practically different for ourselves and for our customers after this magic training that's happened because we know the magic happens from the alchemy of the the people and um, to the extent that they're brought into the training and and um, the, they know that they have to own the outcomes and the actions after that yeah
1: how has it changed over the i think you said you've been at bpa for ten. a long years. time a yeah. long time yeah we won't, <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about that too much but how has it how has it evolved the notion of training over that time and how do you see it evolving to the next step of being truly valuable i suppose yeah. to the recipient
0: yeah so so bpa actually started as a training organization um many many like three more than three decades ago um and the uh the quality evaluation and um you know all of the rest of it kind of came from there almost as a natural progression we've never forgotten those training routes goodness it sounds like an elevator pitch doesn't it we've never forgotten that we've always been asked by our clients in the QA space well could you come and you know impart some of this to our our teams um so in terms of an evolution I just think we've we've just kept abreast of you know when it all started customer experience wasn't something that that was a term that i don't think anyone knew particularly mm. much less employee experience or you know all of the technologies that have come along uh, and layered for better or worse over the top so um yeah it's a very long and convoluted answer to your very succinct question i think that it's been a quite natural and intuitively comfortable progression um but ultimately, it's the same. It's about humans having human experiences and connecting with uh, our human customers. And until our customers are getting their AI assistance to do all of these things all the time, 100% of the time.
1: Never going
0: it's, to happen. It's, it certainly won't for me. But. Ne-
1: never going to happen. Um, and can we directly connect the ROI of the investment to the commercial success? Because I, I guess that's probably the toughest Yeah. Part right, what, what
0: proving the ROI of training, you mean, well, Tom? <laughs> in,
1: in, in, a, in a direct correlation, from you know, if you invest, I guess it's actually quite simple if you invest in your people, yep. they you will get. Yeah. you know better outcomes.
0: Ex equals cx. It, it absolutely does, and I know that sounds really kind of throwaway and you know quite smug and trite, but it's absolutely what we see time and time again. So the the metrics that people can use to measure success and, and impact is going to vary from organisation to organisation. Um, in the kind of diagnostic, the needs analysis phase, when I'm scoping out a piece of work with a. a potential client what I love to ask them is the magic one question you know if we come in and we deliver this fantastic training and the one gets away what's different what is practically different uh, for your people and your customers and, and your overall all organization and you get some real clues there about what's going to be a real measure of success for them we always want to hold ourselves accountable to those so yeah
1: we're into the and I should have warned you on this
0: um, <laughs> it's not a math test is it <laughs> no no
1: no rapid fire round. I didn't warn you on this, so this w- really oh. will be off yeah. the cuff. Yeah, okay. Um, we've asked everybody this in this series, I think. Um, what's your big, um, what's your big prediction for this year?
0: That we will see uh, an ongoing, obviously, rise of uh, AI hysteria as it were but I think we will begin to see well the, the shoe the other shoes dropping now isn't it with things like the post office scandal and over reliance on technology I think that people will maybe start to remember um, the power of the human element and human connection maybe a little bit.
1: That's actually what a lot of people said on this with that question. Wow. Um, which probably might be replicated by the next question. What's the big trend that's gonna the buzzword thing that's gonna disappear in twenty twenty four?
0: I'd like to think it would be AI as a kind of overarching, um, you know, catch-all for all of the different um, technologies and, and strands of, of that particular puzzle. Um, but what is a, what AI? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it
1: seems like a catch-all phrase <laughs> for a load of nonsense. Yeah. So, What's so that, the value? I'm
0: just going to go with that. Actually, yeah. So that's my dearest wish that that catch-all phrase starts to differentiate out into slightly more meaningful. Um, Categories, as it were.
1: Okay, left field random prediction, nothing to do with CX necessarily, but what's your uh, random prediction that we're going to check in on in a year that may come true this year?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just fell off.
1: We're not going to edit that out either, that was (laughs) brilliant.
0: There we go. That I will get better at um, mics. No, my random prediction for this year is that nobody's going to adopt these headset-based, um, you know, personal technologies as quickly as well. Like people seem to have, you know, like well, these kind of oh, VR integrative um, tech solutions, whereby you know you've you've got you're enclosed in this world, and I'm not t- just talking about the metaverse. I'm just well. I am. Um, I've, I've read a lot about these, these kind of headset-based technologies. I think there's something to be said about having a device in your hand where you can still have those human connections rather than being closed off. So,
1: I like that one a lot. i rant about the metaverse. Our PR firm tells me to stop. About <laughs> it so much. But anyway, I think it's like nonsense. Um, and the final question, who is Helen? Tell us something about you.
0: Oh, I'm an enigma. I'm really not. Um, I, can, <laughs> I can be found in the rolling green fields of Devon, generally, unless I'm off um, helping customers and, and clients in various locations, generally around the UK. Although, I'm obviously, open to do <laughs> go anywhere. Um, I have three wonderful children, and I love my job.
1: Excellent, Helen. Thank you so much Thanks, for Tom. being on the podcast. How can people find you and find BPA if they want to get some training level up in 2024?
0: Amazing. So bpaquality.co.uk is our web address, not to be confused, but also absolutely fine if you land on our US colleagues, which is bpaquality.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, probably the best place is LinkedIn, because I'm a, a bit of a techie nerd and I like to be there quite a bit. Excellent. Thank
1: you so much. It's been Thanks, great Tom, to it's have you here.
0: Great. Talk to you.
1: And thank you for tuning in to another Iris pod. We hope you're enjoying this series. We've got more for you very soon. What is the tangible use case for artificial intelligence within my organization? It can be the best organization in the world, but people work for people. So anything that we can do to help remove some of that stress using tools, using the artificial intelligence at the desktop makes that agent experience slightly better.